begin reading verse 21 through 24, and then we'll skip down, pick up with verse number 35, and read through verse 43. Again, we appreciate you for faithfulness to the house of the Lord, those watching by way of live stream, thank you for tuning in. We've got several um, not in this area that can't be here, that don't miss a service, that tune in, North Carolina, Florida, Oklahoma. Uh, by the time uh, Sunday rolls around, it's going to be you in Cuba and Pakistan and Kenya, uh, all over the world. And uh, we thank God for the outreach and thank you for uh, watching and for uh, most importantly joining in and praying with us and allowing the Lord to work in your heart and in your life. Good to have Lane in service with us. We appreciate him uh, for, for being with us. He was with us last Wednesday night. Got to uh, meet him, uh, introduce myself just before church. Appreciate him. We do want you to be in prayer for Brother Eddie and his family. They did lay their aunt, uh, his Aunt Patsy to rest today. Uh, he had the funeral today in Baymanet, and they had the graveside in Owasso, which is um, about, I think, five, six miles north of Evergreen. So it was a good haul up there, and uh, he wasn't able to make it back in time for service tonight. But remember uh, them in our prayers. The Lord would comfort their hearts. The book of Mark, chapter number five, very familiar passage of scripture and text. The Lord began dealing with my heart, just going to preach uh, just right out of my heart tonight. I don't have much of an outline, just some points. The Lord gave me in prayer, but I believe he wants to talk to his church. Mark 5, verse 21, and it says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. Now it's one thing for you to be sick as a parent, but it's something totally different to see your baby sick, to see them going through something. And she wasn't just sick, but she's at the point of death. So you know this man was in absolute crisis mode. This man was in desperate need of the love of his life. His only daughter, uh, another in the other gospel, I believe it was Luke recorded that fact. His only daughter, this was the apple of his eye. She was lying at the, the point of death. And he comes to Jesus and he said, I pray they come and lay hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And notice this, and Jesus went with him. All he needs is an invitation. He's going to force himself on no man but to those that want him. And all he needs is an invitation and an opportunity. Amen. And, and he went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. And, and from 25 to 34, you see another miracle. As he's on his way to Jairus' house, we know the familiar story of the woman with the issue of blood. And if I, There's no way that you can, you know, just for the sake of time and the window I have, I'm just skipping over that, but another powerful story in and of itself of, of what Jesus did. But as we continue on this 
this, this track with Jairus and his daughter in verse 35. And while he yet spake, he had just performed a miracle and healed a woman with the issue of blood. And while he yet spake, there came a ruler from the synagogue's house, uh, certain, which said, Thy daughter is dead. It just went from bad to worse. And this man said, Why troublest thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, said Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And when he came into the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was laid. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose. Hallelujah. Jesus spoke the word, and immediately, straightway, the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given to her to eat. Amen. We've already prayed. May God add his blessing to the words. You may be seated. In the presence of the Lord tonight, I want to preach if the Lord help me just for a few moments on this simple thought, ingredients for a miracle. Ingredients for a miracle. Now, you can look at me and tell that I've eaten a fair number of cakes in my day. I've not made a lot of cakes. I'll leave that up to somebody that knows what they're doing. But... I enjoy a good pound cake. Say amen, somebody. <laughs> I enjoy a good vanilla cake with chocolate. I, I don't care what kind of icing you put on it. I like it. Cream cheese. Amen. It don't matter. Funfetti. Amen. I, I like it all. I like cake. But I know for a cake to turn out, that cake is only as good as the ingredients that you put in it. If you try to take a uh, just straight baking soda, put it in a pan, and plan to bring out a pan, pound cake, you're going to be sadly mistaken when you pull that thing out of the oven. It's not going to be what you desire. But when you have the eggs, and you have the flour, and you have the, the vanilla flavoring, and you have, oh God, I'm getting spiritual now. I mean, when you get all of these ingredients together, when, when you have the right recipe, you follow that to the instruction and you mix everything together and you put that uh, all of those ingredients necessary for a pound cake, you, you put it in the oven, you come out. Uh, I mean, you find you a, a nice cold glass of whole milk. Uh, amen. To go to, to just add on to the calories. Uh, amen. Hey, oh, I tell you, I better move on. 
Amen. But when you have all of the ingredients right, amen, and you get your ingredients together, it's then that the final product can be, amen, what you desire it to be. And it's then that you can enjoy the fruit of your labor. But the cake that you make is only as good as the ingredients that you put in it. If you put in trash, you're going to get trash. Amen. But if you put in, amen, the, the right ingredients in the right way and the right measurements, amen, then the final product can satisfy and it can be sufficient to meet that need. Amen. The origin of the miracle is we look at the ingredients for a miracle. The very first the genesis of this whole process is that therefore there to be a miracle, there must first be a need. You cannot receive a miracle if there isn't first a need. Amen. If a lot of people want God to work miracles, but they don't want to go through the suffering that oftentimes you have to go through. Amen. We preached about that Wednesday night. The suffering of the saints. There's a struggle. There's a suffering. The Bible says according to the will of God. Amen. We want to skip past the suffering and get right to the God of the miracles. But oftentimes it doesn't work that way. For there to be a miracle and the revelation of the miracle power of God. Amen. It is displayed when there is first a need. And this is the greatest need that I can think of. Jairus' daughter is sick unto death. This is the greatest need that a parent can have watching their child suffer. Watching their child go through this great sickness and this sickness being a sickness unto death. Jairus, as a result of this great need, embarks on a journey that shows us a valuable recipe for a miracle. And I believe that if we follow the steps that Jairus made, I'm not saying that if you, this is an exact formula and saying that you've got to do this, 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 this to receive the finished product. I'm not here to put God in a box and tell him what he has to do on our schedule. That's not what this is about. But it does give us a good roadmap that we can follow to get to Jesus. It is a good roadmap that we can follow to get this young girl, amen, back to life again. Amen. The first ingredient for a miracle is that we must admit that we have come to the end of ourselves. Amen. Jairus had to get real with himself. He had to get real with God. Amen. He, he was facing something that he simply could not fix. Amen. Real faith only begins when human ability is. I'm going to say that again. Real faith only begins when human ability ends. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we know it is the faith chapter, says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you can see the answer, then zero faith is required. Listen. 
I've used this analogy, but it's so rich and real. Uh, amen. Uh, to, to, to pare this down on what true faith is and what it isn't. Uh, I get a bet bill uh, uh, for $300 in the mail uh, that says you need to pay this uh, by uh, X, uh, X date. Uh, well, I know I've got $500 in the bank. Uh, it takes no faith on my part uh, to write the check uh, because I know it's there. Uh, I've got control of the circumstances. It's not with, uh, without uh, uh, my realm of possibilities to be able to meet the need. That requires zero faith on my part to believe God for a miracle because I already have the resources. But it's something altogether different when you've got a $300 bill, amen, that's got to be paid by Friday and you don't get paid till after the weekend and you have no means and you have no income and the power's about to get cut off and you realize that there is absolutely no human way possible for me to meet that need. There is no answer. There is no human solution. There's absolutely nothing I can do. But when you choose to trust and believe Believe God anyway. That's faith. Amen. When the means and the outcomes, amen, is uncertain. You don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you believe the Lord is going to show up somehow, some way, on time. Amen. That is a different level of faith. Faith is believing an uncertain outcome to a very certain God and believing somehow, some way, He's going to show up and He's going to come through. Amen. Zero faith is required if you can see the answer, but when you can't see the answer, and the answer is not in sight, yet you believe God anyway. That is when true faith is activated. You have to come to the end of yourself and say, this is outside of my realm of possibility. I can do nothing to positively affect this outcome. I can do nothing to fix it. I can do nothing to control it. I've got to put my faith in something higher. Amen. When it all boils down to it, this is true in every sense. When it comes to faith, it's by grace through faith that you were saved. To be saved, we have to come to the reality of the greatness of our fall and the realization that there is nothing that man can do for me. There's nothing that I can do for myself. I can't save myself. Man can't save me. Amen. I have got to have God. I've got to put my faith in a power source and a higher power. Not just a higher power. The higher power. The one true living God. I've got to have Him. I've got to have a miracle. I need resurrection power. This is beyond me. This is beyond the realm of human capability. Amen. If that's for if it's true in salvation, it's true in every sense where faith is concerned. Amen. Any miracle requires that we go beyond ourselves and we fasten our eyes on the great Almighty. First ingredient is coming to the conclusion that this is beyond me. That this is beyond my scope. Amen. Coming to the end of ourselves and realizing that you've got to have the power of another. That you've got to have the power of God. Secondly, Jairus, to receive his miracle, he had to realize that empty religion was not going to get the job done. This central figure to this point 
was not just any man. The Bible tells us that he was the ruler of the synagogue. This man was a preacher. This man knew the religious rituals. He led, amen, the services. He knew the law. He knew the Torah. He knew the sacrifices. He knew how to conduct a service. He knew what songs to sing and when to sing them. He knew how to, uh, 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 to, to work a crowd. He knew how to preach the, the, the messages and to deliver the sermons. He knew how to go through the ritualistic aspects of religion of his day. And when his daughter was sick, it would have made sense for him to carry his daughter to the synagogue. That would have made sense. It would have made sense for him to carry him to one of his services. It would have made sense for him to carry his daughter to the other rulers, the other leaders of the church. It would have made sense for him to put out a prayer chain on Facebook and say, I need you, amen, to pray for my baby. That would not have been outside the norm. But in his hour of greatest need, when it was life or death for the apple of his eye, he knew that what he had been doing was not going to get the job done. He knew that dead, empty religion was not going to save his daughter. He knew that legalistic rituals of prayers and chants weren't going to cut it. He knew that powerless prayers would produce no life. He had to have something more. And I can tell you folks, amen, we've got religion all around us. Amen, religion is a dime a dozen in this land today. But in our times of need, religion is not going to get the job done. The ruts and the routines of dead, empty religion and Rituals uh, is not going to get the job done. Uh, we've got to have uh, a face-to-face encounter with reality. Uh, we've got to have, uh, amen, a move of God. Uh, amen, we've got to have more, uh, amen, than just uh, rituals and religion. We've got to have life. Uh, amen, we've got to have a face-to-face encounter. Uh, we've got to have uh, a move of the Spirit of God. Uh, amen, we like Jairus have to come uh, to the same conclusion. Uh, what I'm facing is bigger than me. And what I've been doing is not going to get the job done. So we had to do something different. What's the definition of insanity? When you do the same thing over and over and over again and you expect a different outcome? Maybe he had done that. Maybe he had exhausted all of those. Maybe he had put that girl on the pew and preached to her his message, his way. Maybe he had had his leaders pray for him. Amen. Maybe it was the same as maybe his synagogue was the one where the lame man was sitting out there begging alms, alms for the poor. Amen. And day after day after day after day after day, he sat there while they were going in the church and out of the church. While they were going to pray and going home, amen, and that man realized, amen, that these dead heads, amen, they don't have enough power of God to raise an ant, amen, so I'm not even going to ask them to pray for me, I'm just going to ask for alms, I'm just going to ask for their money, amen, maybe they can spare a few pennies so that I can get me bread to make it through the day, he sat there day after day after day and realized that there was no hope in 
Jairus came to that own conclusion for his own daughter. There's no power here. So he said, I've got to do something different. I, 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 I can't keep doing the same thing. My daughter is going to die. So he made up his mind, Brother Joey. Amen. That he was going to get to where Jesus was. Amen. Hallelujah. Here it is, folks. Jairus come to the conclusion that Jesus was his only hope. It was a matter of life or death. His daughter was at the point of death. Every breath could be her last. Amen. So he said, I can't waste my time going to the synagogue. I can't waste my time going to other dead heads that's just as dead as I am. They ain't going to get a prayer through. Amen. I've got to get the answer. I've got to go to the one. Amen. Where life exists. I've got to go to somebody that's got the Holy Ghost in operation in their lives. So Jairus made the decision. I've got to get to where Jesus is. The next ingredient. I mean, you've got to get to where Jesus is. Now notice, this was a risky move for Jairus. It's not as just simple, amen, as we like to make it. i just got to get to Jesus. If he embraced Jesus, he's likely going to lose that position at the synagogue. They're going to vote him out the very next service because they were anti-everything that Jesus was and is. They were the antithesis of Jesus. Amen. They wanted nothing to do with him. Amen. As a matter of fact, they were the same ones that given the opportunity shouted crucify him. Crucify him. That's how bad they hated Jesus. So Jairus knew, amen, that he's going to lose his position at the church. He knew he was going to lose his position of authority and influence, his position of power. You go to Jesus, Jairus, that's over with. You can, you, you, you're going to commit, amen, Ecclesiastical suicide by going this route. It's over with for you. It was a risky thing. He's going to lose his friends. He's going to lose his authority. He's going to lose his position. He's going to lose his salary. Amen. When the money dries up, he may lose his house. He may lose absolutely everything that he has. Amen. He could keep all of that or he could lose his daughter. He could keep his position, but he'd lose his baby. So he took a risk and put his faith in Jesus. Sometimes, folks, real faith requires a risk. Sometimes it costs you something. Sometimes, amen, there's a price to be paid. Real faith oftentimes requires a risk. But you hear me, in the business realm, oftentimes you have to do a risk-reward analysis. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is the risk, or is the reward worth the risk? There's a chance that if I invest in this company, I could invest it and I could get a million bucks. Or there's the risk that I could put my money in it and it goes belly up this time tomorrow. You see, an investing 401k 
in the stock market, everything you do involves a risk. And you have to make the determination, is the reward worth the potential risk? That's the way it is in the business realm. And that's what Jairus had. He had to conclude for himself. Is Jesus worth the risk? Is the reward of is it worth the risk? He came to the conclusion that Jesus is worth the risk. The reward, oh my God, is worth the risk. Being able to hold my baby again alive, well and whole, is worth the risk. Amen. Sometimes, amen, you got to take a step of faith and sometimes that involves a risk but you hear me Jesus is always worth the risk the reward of Christ is always worth the risk amen it's more than an ecumenical decision or an economical decision amen of just losing 50 cents amen amen you're going to lose it all if you don't step out in faith and you're going to miss the opportunity oh my God Church, he's always worth the risk. Jesus is our eternal reward. Always greater than the risk. When this man strikes out, I've got to get to where Jesus is. Maybe he passed the synagogue. Maybe he passed his fellow priest. Maybe he passed, passed his parishioners. Jay Iris, where you going? Gotta get to Jesus. Jay Iris, let's do this. Have you have you called the doctor? Have you tried this medicine? Have you done X, Y, Z? I know uh, my first cousin's sister's brother, uh, amen, his niece's nephew's aunt, uh, she had the same condition, uh, amen, and they found this uh, magic pill. Uh, she took it and five minutes later she was well. Have you, have you exhausted all efforts? Uh, I've exhausted all of them. Uh, it's profited me nothing. Uh, I've got to get to Jesus. Hallelujah. He's my only hope. Uh, amen. He uh, is the only answer that I have. Uh, folks, whatever it takes, there's got to be a time if we want a miracle, uh, Amen, that we shut out the voices. Amen, we shut out the naysayers. And we do whatever it takes to get to him. Amen. Strikes out to get to Jesus. And what does he do when he finally gets there? We don't know how far he had the journey. Maybe it was five minutes. Maybe it was five miles. We don't know. But he gets to where Jesus was. Notice. He didn't strike out a religious conversation with him trying to settle differences. He didn't try to go to scriptures and say, I see it this way, what do you think? We've got some, we've got some differences of opinion here. No, 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 no. He didn't strike out a hand of fellowship. He didn't view himself as Jesus as equal. He didn't look down on Jesus, but the first thing he did when he got there, was he humbled himself and he fell at his feet. A ruler of the synagogue bowed to nobody. They bowed to him. And when he got to Jesus, he fell down at his feet. Hallelujah. What many failed to receive in pride, you hear me, Jairus received in his humility and how he handled Jesus, how he approached him. Amen. Amen. First Peter 5 and 6 tells us to humble 
yourselves therefore unto the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. James 4 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. There is no room for pride in this recipe for a miracle. There's no room for pride in your ingredients list. As a matter of fact, that's the first thing that has to go. That's the first thing that has to go. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. When you humble yourself before God, it wraps up the first three ingredients. He showed that he was at the end of himself. He showed that all hope in anything or anyone else had been abandoned. And he lowered himself in humility before the Lord. Hallelujah. When he bowed himself before Jesus, he was laying down his title. He was laying down his authority. He was laying down his position. He was laying down his influence. He was laying down every title, every amen, letter behind his name. Doctor, master, theologian, all that went out the window. Amen. Why is that? Because none of that holds any mustard when you stand before God. Oh, when you stand before God in the flesh, all of our abilities, all of our education, all of our learning, everything that we think we are. Amen. Paul summed it up and said it's all but dung. I count it all as refuse and waste that I might win Christ. Amen. None of that matters when we get into the presence of Almighty Lord. Amen. It tells and shows a lot about a man and how they approach Jesus. Amen. Amen. He laid it all down in the side. Bowed himself before the Lord. And then he Asking the question when he had Jesus' attention, when Jesus saw his humility, when Jesus saw the burden on his heart, this man besought him, begged him, beseeched him, cried out to him, and said, Lord, my daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come lay hands on her. Come lay hands on her that she may be healed, and she shall live. This man gave Jesus all that he needed, an invitation and an opportunity. I believe of everything that's within me, if we want to see the Lord do more miracles in this hour, we need to do nothing except give him the opportunity and the invitation. The word of God says, try me. Put me to the test. Oh, my God. Give me the opportunity to move. Give me a chance. You try everything else. Amen. You'll listen to Aunt Betsy's first cousin, nieces, nephews, brothers, aunts, uncle, and everything he has to say. Amen. But there's got to be a point in time when we shut all of that up and we shut it out and we ask the Lord, what do you want to say? Whose report are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the Democrats or the Republicans that's only going to give you their side, their bickering, their vitriol, and, 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 and all of that? Amen. Are you going to listen to what the Lord has to say about it? Are you going to listen to the, uh, the, the media that has their spin? Are you going to listen to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Are you going to trust every doctor and their brother 
that are out there? Are you going to give the great physician the opportunity to take the case and do the work? He just needs an opportunity and an invitation and he will once again show the world his great power. My brother fell, broke his leg yesterday, or uh, I guess two weeks ago, but he had to go for surgery yesterday. I knew I liked the doctor when he walked in and he was wearing duck hunting boots. I said, this man ain't your average doctor. But the first thing that he did when he walked in the room, he didn't talk shop, he didn't talk the case. He said, Mr. Kreger, he said, first things first, can I pray with you? Before he talked surgery, before he talked the plans, before he told him what he was going to do, amen, he prayed. And he said, Lord, we're seeking you, the great physician. I'm a doctor. Amen, but that does not matter at all. I'm seeking the great physician. I'm asking you, Lord, to move and to work on our behalf. We need your wisdom. We need your touch. We need your hand in this situation and in these circumstances. Thank God for such men. Amen. He gave Jesus the opportunity, the invitation. He said, Lord, amen, would you come home with me? Amen. Would you go, amen, to the secret parts of my house? Amen. Home is a place of intimacy. The home is a place that not just everybody goes. A home is somewhere that you don't invite just everybody into your house. Amen. No, there's some people you need to keep out. If you know what's good for you, you'll know who to let stay and know who to tell. You got to go. Brother Joseph, Sister Hattemeyer, God. Brother Joseph, Sister Ellen had somebody staying with them for one time, and I, I, I didn't have the best feeling about them. Afraid they were taking advantage of them. I asked him after a while. I said, Brother Joseph, Sister Ellen, what about these people that are staying with you? He said, Oh no! I told them they had to go. I told you, you got to find you. He said, You ain't got to find your home, but you just ain't staying here no more. Told him I had to put them on the road. Listen, there's some people you just got to put on the road. There's some people that you can't allow in your house. Amen. They'll be a leech and, uh, and suck you, drive everything that you got if you'll let them. Amen. But this man, when it come to Jesus, he said, Lord, why don't you come to my house? Why, why don't you come to a place you see? Amen. This became a personal invitation. At this point, he wasn't just interested in a casual relationship. But he said, Lord, I got to have you go home with me. Oh, i got to have something deeper than surface level. Amen. I've got to have something more than a head nod and a greeting. I've got to have more than a nod from God. I've got to have you. I've got to have your touch. Amen. I've got to have you come. Amen. To the most intimate place. Amen. That we can be. Come home with me. And this man invited Jesus. He gave Christ the invite and said, come. And guess what? Jesus went. All he needs 
needs is an invitation. All he needs is an opportunity. Revelations 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's Jesus standing on the outside looking in, saying, I'm knocking, I'm begging, I'm pleading. If you'll just open up and allow me, I'll come in and sup with you. I'll come in and fix your problems. I'll come in and fix your home. As long as you keep me on the outside, you're going to have the same turmoil that you always have. But I'm knocking. I'm begging. I'm pleading. If you will, but just open up. I will come in. This is an invitation. You'll open up your heart and home. Jesus will come in. Zacchaeus, I've got to hurry. Climbs a sycamore tree. The Bible says when Jesus came to the place, what place? The place where he was led by the Holy Ghost. The place where the Holy Ghost led Zacchaeus. When he came to the place, a divine appointment, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. And when he got there, he said, for salvation has come, not just to Zacchaeus, but to his whole house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus wants to give you something tonight that you can carry home with you. That's the beautiful thing about the Lord, folks. Your experience don't have to end the four walls of the church. But wherever you go, you can carry him with you. You can carry carry him home with you. You can carry him to work with you. You can carry him to Walmart with you. You can carry him to the drugstore with you. You can carry him to Piglet Weekly with you. Wherever you go, you carry him with you. Hallelujah. And at this point, Jesus strikes out and starts coming with him. He's probably thinking, bless God, crosses over, got Jesus' attention. But the devil don't let go. Just that easy. While they're on the way to his house, a messenger comes and tells him, your daughter, hallelujah, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the master anymore. In this moment, Brother Eddie's been preaching on the death of a promise. In this moment, Jairus' world come knocking, come Come crashing down. Maybe the Lord, I got to you. I abandoned everything. I lost my position. I lost my title. I lost my parishioners. I lost it all. Thinking that you're going to fix my daughter. You're going to heal her. Now she's dead. You see, his faith was put to In this moment, amen, we see the death of the promise. In this moment, we see his baby die. There was no word spoken by Jairus. The Bible does not tell us his reaction to the news. But Jesus, on the other hand, it tells us exactly what he thought and what he said. Because it said, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid. Only believe. I know the news that you just got, Jairus, it rocked you to the core. But it did rock me. 
I don't know that it turned your world upside down. But if you'll hang on with me just a little while, I'm going to turn it right side up. Hallelujah. Don't quit now. Amen. He had a decision to make. Jairus, am I going to listen to the crowd that says it's over? Or am I going to stick with Jesus? Hallelujah. Amen. When your faith is tested, you're going to have every naysayer in the world that comes to you that will tell you just give up. It's never going to happen. It's over with. There's no use in praying. Amen. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. You prayed and you prayed and you prayed. And you prayed and you prayed and you prayed. And you prayed some more. Don't worry Jesus with that anymore. It just ain't going to happen. If you give up, it ain't. But if you'll hold on, hallelujah, Jesus, amen, can show you his resurrection power. We must never allow what we see or what we hear deter us from our faith in God that he's still able to do what nobody else can do, that he's still the miracle worker. And it might take a million prayers, amen, to get him on the way home. Or it could be the million in the first that the answer comes. But faith tells us to hang on like a hair in a biscuit and don't give up. We must never lose faith in what we see or what we hear. We must not be moved or swayed by the crowd, but we must have the faith of Jairus. No matter what, I'm sticking with Jesus. I'm sticking with Jesus. Jesus told him, he said, be not afraid, only believe. Son, don't lose heart. Don't give up. This hasn't moved me. This has not changed who I am. This has not changed what I'm capable of. Amen. Uh, take me to where she lays. Uh, she gets home. Uh, they get home. They walk through the door. First thing, Jesus sees us. He sees the tears. He sees the cries. He sees the tumult. He sees the great ado. And he makes a declaration. The damsel is not dead but sleepeth. And what does the crowd do? They begin to laugh. They begin to mock him and ridicule him. The Bible says that they laughed him to scorn. The crowd didn't move Jesus. We can see the next ingredient of a miracle is you've got to get rid of the doubters and the naysayers. This says God can't. And you've got to hold on by faith to the promise, my God, that believes he can. They emptied out all the doubters that room. The only people left, amen, was uh, the father, the mother of the damsel, and they that were with him, just uh, three of his disciples, and they entered in where the damsel was laying. Again, the most intimate part of that home is that bedroom. And he carries them to the place where this man, or excuse me, this young girl is lying. And the last thing, he submitted to the commands of the Lord. He pushed out the, day, the, the naysayers and the doubters. And Jesus took, him, took the damsel by the hand. He gave Jesus the opportunity and the invitation. said, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Amen. I'm not here to put you in a box. I'm not here to dictate what you're going to do. But Lord, I submit to you, you know what's best. And if my daughter's going to live, it's going to be because you do it. If you tell me to go dip in the River Jordan seven times, I'll go. 
If you tell me to go wash in the pool of Siloam, I'll go. If you tell me to do 17 cartwheels followed by eight backflips and a split, amen, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Amen. He submitted himself, amen, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jesus grabbed the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And I love it. And straightway, straightway, the damsel arose and began to walk. And she was the age of 12 years old. Hallelujah. Amen. We see all of the recipes. We see all of the ingredients here in this great recipe for a miracle. Oh, but we see the word of God. Amen. The recipe on our part. Amen. Paired with the word of God on his part. Amen. It's enough power in that to bring anything that's dead back to life again. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The spoken word of God when he spoke and said, well, little girl, I say unto thee, arise. Death had to unleash his gnarly fingers. Death had to lose his grip. Amen. Rigor mortis had to take its flight. Amen. And oxygen had to come back. That heart started pumping again. Those eyes opened and immediately that girl arose and she began to walk. Oh, folks, that is the power of the word of Almighty God. Jairus never would have received that if he had given in to the naysayers and the doubters. But when he held on despite the impossibilities, despite the heartbreak, oh my God. Amen. We see the product of that. The finished product was a divine miracle. He said, young girl, arise straightway. She began to walk. If he would have said damsel talk, amen, she would have given out a 10-page discourse. Jesus spoke and she obeyed. And that daddy got to love on that baby. He wasn't preparing a funeral, but he was preparing a celebration. My girl, which was dead, is alive again. My, my heart began to write. I, I oftentimes try to I put myself in Scripture. And I began to think what it would be like if I was there. What if that was Harper in that situation? It makes, it makes it more personal to you when that's your child. The fact of the matter is, a lot of us have children that's away from the Lord. They're just as dead spiritually as this young girl was physically. But I can tell you the answer for them is the same as it was for her. Jesus is the answer. Hallelujah. Jesus is the answer. But the, I, I'm hurrying to a close with this. I believe with everything that's in me, this is more important than just a story about a girl. I believe it happened exactly like the Bible says. But in every miracle Jesus performed, there's a greater message for you and I to see. Everything Jesus did when he opened up the blinded eyes, why did he do it to show you he has power over all infirmities? When he raised Lazarus from the dead, why did he do that to show you he was the resurrection and the life? When he turned the water into wine, amen, what was the point of that? Amen, to show you that he can take the most common thing Amen. 
Amen. Touch it and bring forth the most blessed thing, which is a type and a shadow of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In Scripture, water, once we're washed by water, Amen. Once we're regenerated by the power and the Spirit of God, amen, these vessels can contain the, the, the Holy Ghost of God. So what is the message here? I believe with everything that's in me, this is more than a message about a girl. But this represents a generation. This represents a generation. A generation that's sick. A generation of the church that's dying. A generation that has gone through the motions and the rituals of religion. But they've got to the end of themselves and realize that religion isn't getting the job done. They know the songs. They know the lingo. They know when to raise their hands. They know when to say amen. They know when to, to do the calisthenics. They know when to do the bunny hop. They know what songs to sing. They know when to speak in tongues. They know when to fall out. Amen. They know when to, to, how to do all the religious things. Amen. That they are expected to do. Amen. But we've raised a generation just like this young girl that has no power. She's come to the end of herself. She has absolutely no power of God. But we see a man by the name of Jairus that represents, a, amen, a revivalist that sees things as they are, amen, but also sees things for what they could be. Then realizes, amen, religion, more religion ain't going to get the job done. But realizes, if I can just get this generation to the feet of Jesus. Oh, if I can just get Jesus in my house, in my home. If I can just get Jesus to where she is. Amen. He's able to give life. He's able to speak life. He's able to take my God, that which is dead, and bring it back to life again. He can look at this generation and say, this generation isn't dead. It's only asleep. Amen. They just need an opportunity, an infusion of power that Christ can give. Fill them with the Holy Ghost and that which is dead can come back to life again. Hallelujah. Jesus is the answer. Amen. Jairus represents the church. Amen. The older generation. Yes, they see things for what they are, but they see something greater. They see things for what they could be. They know that Jesus is the answer. Amen. Amen. They invite Jesus into the personal places of their heart, their home, and their life. Amen. And Jesus is able to arise a generation and bring them back to life in the fullness of his power. Amen. This generation that much of the church has written off, dead, I'm seeing it come back to a life in Cuba. I'm seeing them folks getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. Called into the ministry. I'm seeing them in different nations around this world. Revival taking place in that Middle East. Don't you tell me God can't do it here. I know a lot of them look like they fell face first in the tackle box and got fish and lure stuck all in their face. Amen. I know. Amen. They're tattooed up from head to toe. Amen. I know they got holes as big as quarters in their ears. I know that a lot of people will look at that and say it's dead. Amen. But can I tell you, folks, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Oh my God, as long as there's breath, there's hope. And even when breath has 
gone. Even amen, when they are D-E-A-D dead, it's not too late for Jesus to come on the scene and say, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Amen. It's not too late for Lazarus, though he's been in the tomb and been written off for four days and stinks. Amen. Jesus shows up, cries, Lazarus, come forth. And he that which was bound, amen, comes walking out, loose by the power of Almighty God. I'm telling you, folks, he can speak life in this generation. Amen. Don't write them off. They're not dead. They're just asleep. But Christ is able to activate and produce his life. There's got to be a Jairus. Yes, he does not deny reality and see things for what they are. Oh, but through the eyes of faith, he sees things for what they can be. He's not willing to write them off just yet. Hallelujah. He's able to get a hold of God. He's able to get a hold of the, the Spirit of God. Invite him into the personal places of his home. And allow Jesus to do whatever it is that he wants to do. Jesus is the agent of life. He is the agent of life. And don't write him off before we've given him an opportunity and chance to move. All he needs is an invitation and an opportunity. I'm looking at some Jairuses tonight. Amen. You're interceding for your family. Don't give up hope. Don't listen to all the naysayers that will say it'll never happen. With them, it never will. But with him, oh God, with him, hallelujah, it can happen tonight. It can happen tonight. Some of you may be Jairus' daughter, just dead spiritually. There's no life there. You've tried religion. You know everything to do. Amen. But you've got no life and you've got no power. Amen. The same way he said unto her arise in scripture, she got up tonight can be your night. Amen. Amen. He's going to call out your name. See, death's got to lose its grip. Hallelujah. Life is going to flow. Amen. There's still hope for this generation. There was hope for Jairus' daughter even when there was no hope. Let that sink in. There was hope for her even when there was no hope. And I can tell you, when we come to the end of our hope, and it seems like there's no more, if you've got him, there's still hope. There's still opportunity. Amen. And you can experience this power. Peter, if you'll help us tonight, son, on this piano. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me all over the building? Hallelujah. The ingredients, the recipe for a miracle. It's as simple as that tonight coming to the end of ourselves. Hallelujah. Realizing that you've got to get to Jesus, humbling yourself before God. Carrying him home with you. Taking the restraints off. Allowing him to move and do whatever he wants to do. I mean, you may be in this house tonight needing a miracle. Tonight can be your night. This can be your service. I know I ain't preaching to a thousand, but I am preaching to you tonight. And this same Jesus is here. Amen. Non, I believe God can heal you back tonight. I believe this can be the service. Amen. Where you get your miracle. Amen. On a routine Wednesday night service, this can be interrupted by a divine move of the Holy Ghost. And he comes with a miracle. 
with your name on it. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't you meet him in this altar?